You're not in this story. Yeah, well, we're making it up as we go. Hello and welcome to Making It Up As We Go, a Destiel fan fiction anthology podcast. We're making it up as we go. I'm your host and reader, Nerdy Nerdenstein. The story is ours now. We can't have it back. Please be warned that the stories featured can and will contain explicit sexual content and is not intended for young audiences. Hello. Today I'll be reading Window of Opportunity, Chapters 1 and 2, by Trisha underscore 16. The rating for this fic is explicit. The pertinent tags for this fic include Alternate Universe Coffee Shops and Cafes, Twink Dean Winchester, Geeky Dean, Voyeurism, Masturbation, Mutual Masturbation, Top Castiel Bottom Dean Winchester, Panty Kink, Praise Kink, Unsafe Sex, Barebacking, Happy Ending, Openly Bisexual Dean Winchester, Lifting Kink. Window of Opportunity, written by Trisha underscore 16, read for you by Nerdy Nernstein. Summary. Dean Winchester is on his own for the first time at 23 after Sam leaves for school. Feeling more alone than he ever has before, Dean finds himself drawn to his window where he can see into the apartment of a hot-slash-weird guy. Each glimpse he gets causes him to like the guy a little bit more. And after forming a strange, one-sided connection with him, he can hardly believe his luck when the hot-slash-weird guy turns out to be the owner of the coffee shop he just started frequenting. Now, if he can only crack the cool and collected shell the hot-slash-weird guy uses in public to reveal the geeky side he's so used to seeing through the window, everything would be perfect. Chapter 1. Oof. Dean's back slams into the doorframe and his breath leaves him in a rush. He almost drops the mattress from his hands, but he just barely manages to keep his grip while he gives Sam a dirty look. God damn it, Sam, would you watch what you're doing? 
Sorry, I didn't mean to, Sam answered immediately, changing the angle to steer him and the mattress through the doorway instead of into it. I'm literally walking backwards. It's your job not to slam me into the freaking wall. Sam huffs, blowing his stupidly long hair out of his face. I looked away for two seconds, Dean. Probably can't see through the damn mop on your head, Dean grumbles. Hard to find good free help, isn't it? Sam says, not so subtly reminding him that he's helping Dean move into his new apartment, purely out of the kindness of his heart. Well, it's probably half because of his Sam-sized heart, and half because he feels guilty about leaving him behind to go to university. Dean's proud of his little brother, much more proud than even Sam knows. But there's a part of him that's bitter as fuck that he had to pick a school so far away. Now Dean's more than halfway to 23 and about to move into a strange apartment and live on his own for the first time in his life. And he isn't looking forward to it at all. He knows other guys his age would be thrilled to live by themselves, but he's always enjoyed sharing his space. He likes how he feels less alone in their house just knowing Sam was there somewhere too, even if they weren't necessarily doing anything together at the time. But those days are over now. Hello! What do you think I'm doing? Here for decoration or something? Charlie asks from inside the apartment. Dean grins at his friend over his shoulder. She's five foot five and thin enough a good gust of wind could probably knock her over, but that doesn't mean she isn't tough as nails, and that he doesn't cower when she pins him with the right look. He definitely doesn't want to get on her bad side right now. Nah, Charles, you're an unpacking machine. Couldn't do it without you. He says seriously, looking at the stack of empty boxes in the middle of the kitchen. Sure, he won't be able to find any of his own stuff for a while, but at least he didn't have to put everything away himself. Just not overly helpful with helping us carry the heavy stuff, Sam says. I think it's fair we all play to our strengths, Goliath, Charlie says, shooting Sam an innocent smile. Dean chuckles because Goliath is oddly fitting for how beefed up his brother is right now. Plus, the kid's as tall as he is already, and he's only 19 years old. If only you could code the boxes into moving themselves, Sam answers. Patience, young grasshopper, Charlie says with a wink. After today, it's next on my list. Moving blows. Dean's hit with a sudden wave of appreciation for his friend so strong he can't help but go over there and wrap his arm around her, pressing a quick kiss to the top of her head. She snuggles into his side and gives him a tight squeeze, knowing him well enough to know he only gets touchy-feely when he really needs it. He's just so glad he has her. He has no friggin' clue what he'd do if he was losing Sam and Charlie at the same time, and he's so damn thankful they're friends. Let's get the mattress the rest of the way in the bedroom, and then we'll get your dresser, and that's it for the big stuff, Sam says, verbally dragging him away from the comfort of Charlie's arms. Charlie gives his ass a friendly pat and says, Go be strong, sweaty, foul-body-odor-producing brothers. Me and you can curl up on the couch with takeout and a chick flick after you shower. Dean frowns and she gives him a meaningful look. He lifts his arm to give his armpit a sniff and makes a face of disgust. She's right. He's pretty rank. My bad. Sorry. He chuckles. Not your fault. I'm just at optimum armpit sniffing level. She says, tucking a stray hand of wild red hair behind her ear as she bends over to start in on another box. He and Sam muscle his mattress into the only bedroom in the apartment and onto the box spring. Your bed weighs a ton, Dean, Sam says. Worth it for the memory foam, dude. 
my second most prized possession. After your car, believe me, I know. I have met you before, Sam says with an amused smile on his face. Dean's a simple kind of guy. He likes burgers and pie, his sinfully comfortable bed, his dad's old 1967 Chevy Impala, chick flicks, cheap beer and smooth whiskey, and his makeshift family. I come bearing gifts, another voice calls out from the living room, and both he and Sam exchange a smile as they walk back to greet their friend Joe. Dean's smile brightens even more when he sees she has two six-packs of beer and two boxes of pizza in her hands. I think I love you, Dean says passionately. Beer is cold, too, she says with an eyebrow wiggle. Don't encourage him, Sam says, walking over to take the pizza from her hands. Thank God your cock-blocking days are almost behind us, Dean says. You wish, Winchester, Joe responds playfully. He grins at her, loving that the two of them can flirt so openly without having to worry it means anything. They basically grew up together, and she's like their honorary little sister. He's surrounded by the three people who know him better than anybody, and even though it still sucks that Sam's leaving, at least he's still got Joe and Charlie. He walks over to grab a beer from Joe, but Sam snatches it before he can pop it open, completely ignoring the way he splutters in indignation. Dresser, then beer, Sam insists. Why you gotta be like that, huh? He gripes. Because I know the second you sit down, I'm never gonna get you up again, and me and Joe are going to end up carrying your dresser up here. Still not seeing what the problem is, Dean quips, but he ducks when he sees the backhand coming from Joe. Okay, okay, I'm going. Easy on the abuse, Blondie. Not surprisingly, Joe doesn't listen at all, and he's forcefully pushed out of his apartment by the combined forces of her and Charlie. He's still laughing when he heads down the stairs. He and Sam grab the dresser from the back of Sam's truck and start the trek back up to his apartment. Next time I move, I'm getting a place with an elevator, Dean says between labored breaths. You know, if you'd exercised once in a while, you wouldn't be panting like you just ran a marathon after climbing a flight of stairs, Sam says. You work out enough for the both of us, he replies. And it's three flights of stairs butt munch. And what a dick thing for his brother to say in the first place. It's not like he's fat or scrawny. He actually does hit the gym often enough that his arms are pretty toned. He may have a little pudge around his middle, but you can only tell when he has his shirt off. And let's face it, he hates sit-ups and crunches with a passion, and he's never going to do cardio voluntarily, so he'll probably always have the pudge and be at least a little bit out of shape. He's made his peace with it. If only it worked that way, Sam laughs with a shake of his head. When they walk back through the door holding the dresser, he notices Charlie and Joe both standing and looking out the window. There's not much of a view, since there's another apartment building right across from him, so he wonders what they're looking at. He and Sam place the dresser down in his bedroom, and he walks over to the girls to satisfy his curiosity. What's so exciting over there? He asks them. Look at the dude in the apartment right there, Joe says. Dean scans the apartments across from him. There are about six he could easily see into thanks to the big portrait windows each apartment has. But only two don't have curtains or blinds closed. It's pretty obvious what the girls are looking at when he catches a glimpse of a guy wearing what looks like fuzzy bunny slippers, dressed in white pajama pants and a matching t-shirt with a bunch of little pink... Are those... dicks? 
Christine asks, squinting to try to see them better. That's what it looks like, right? Charlie asks, clearly amused. Dick pajamas, Joe laughs. Okay, what? Sam asks, coming up behind Dean to look for himself. Yeah, those are definitely dicks. Looks like you're kind of guy, Dean, Charlie says with an elbow to his ribs. Ha ha, very funny, Dean says dryly. But it is actually pretty funny, and he struggles to hold in his immature laughter. At one in the afternoon on a Saturday, this guy is walking around his apartment watering his plants wearing dick pajamas and bunny slippers. He can't see his features from here, but it's easy to see that his dark hair is sticking up in about 30 different ways. And though he can't be entirely sure, it looks like he's filling out that t-shirt pretty damn well. Not a bad view to have across from him. Who wears dick pajamas? Charlie asks. Somebody who obviously appreciates a good dick, Dean answers, grinning. Charlie snorts. Still gonna have to stay firmly in the no-dick lane. Don't worry. You aren't missing much anyway. Most of them think they're much better than they are, Joe says to Charlie. Dean huffs with laughter. You ain't wrong about that, he agrees. Here's a crazy idea. Maybe we can eat pizza and not talk about dicks? Sam asks, grimacing. I am so on Team Sam right now, Charlie agrees. Everybody else moves away from the window towards the pizza after that, but Dean stays at the window for another minute. The dude goes somewhere in his apartment that he can't see and comes back into the living room without his watering can and with a black and yellow striped mug that reminds him of a bumblebee. The guy sinks onto his couch, and even from a distance, he can see the way the dude worships what's got to be his coffee the way his shoulders sag with relief at the first sip. Dean grins again, totally relating to the sentiment before he tears himself away from the window to get some pizza before it's all gone. Several hours and more than a few beers later, Sam and Joe are gone and he's lying on the couch with his head pillowed in Charlie's lap. The credits of The Duff are rolling and Dean sighs heavily. Two hot people go from frenemies to love. How come that shit never happens in real life? He asks, rolling onto his back to look at her upside down. Because real life isn't a chick flick. Charlie answers. Still. You know if you were in a high school movie, you'd be the hot jock who has to give the less popular person a chance, right? She asks. Dean scoffs at the comment. He's got a pretty face, sure, but he's no jock, and he's never been cool enough to be one of the popular kids. All I'm saying is it shouldn't be that hard to meet somebody and get them to actually give a shit about you. Aw, is my little Deanie feeling lonely? Charlie teases. Shut up, he says half-heartedly. Seriously, though, I thought you swore off both men and women for life after what happened with Bella and Mick. Dean groans at the reminder. The threesome that went all kinds of wrong and left him as the odd one out when Bella started fucking the other dude behind his back. Talk about embarrassing. I thought we agreed to never mention that again. You're right, I forgot. Let me rephrase. I thought you swore off men and women for life, she repeats. Guess I'm starting to get over it, he admits reluctantly. It's been, what, six months? And you haven't hooked up at all, have you? Dean shakes his head. Wasn't feeling it until recently. Ooh, can I find somebody for you this time, pretty please? Charlie asks, literally bouncing with her excitement. 
Dean chews on his bottom lip as he thinks about it. Eh, not yet. You're my go-to person when I'm there, though. And this time when I tell you somebody's a catty bitch, you're going to listen to your brilliant bestie, aren't you, Dean? She says harshly. Yeah, yeah, you're a genius, he answers, smiling up at her. Damn right, she says on a broken yawn. Sounds like it's time for you to hit the hay, Dean comments, sitting up reluctantly. I'm pretty comfortable here. I can crash on the couch, she offers. He smiles softly at her, knowing that she worries about him being on his own almost as much as he worries about himself. Gotta stay alone at some point. Doesn't have to be today, though, she says. I'll be all right. Had enough beer and enough carrying heavy shit that I should be able to fall asleep easily enough. But thanks, you know, for everything. She gets to her feet with a nod, and he follows her to the door where he pulls her in for a hug. He hooks his chin over her head and holds her tight, reminding himself that he's going to be fine. I can come back if you need me to. Just say the word, okay? Charlie says, still in his arms. What did I ever do to deserve you, Charles? Just lucky, I guess, she teases him, breaking out of his embrace. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Maybe we can do breakfast? Deal. Thanks for all your help today, Red. I'd say any time, but I wouldn't actually mean it, she grins. Moving sucks donkey balls. Night, bud. Night, Charlie. He closes and locks the door behind him, barely repressing another sigh. Even with the credits rolling, it's still too quiet. Sitting in the living room alone seems worse than just going to bed, though, so he goes over to flick the TV off. With the room suddenly thrown into shadows, his gaze is drawn to the lights outside the window. Absent-mindedly, he wanders over to take a peek in on the weird guy across the way. Dude's reclined on the couch with a light from a single lamp glowing behind him, with a book propped up on his stomach. For whatever reason, just seeing the guy seemingly alone in his own apartment makes Dean feel less lonely. Seeing that he's not the only one at home by himself on a Saturday night makes him feel a hell of a lot better about that, too. He's pulled away from his thoughts when he sees the guy wipe at his face. A few seconds later, he does it again. And when he lies the book down on his stomach to reach for a tissue behind him, he realizes the guy is crying. He's assuming that he's crying over the book he's reading. And damn, if that isn't one of the most endearing things he's ever seen. He himself had shed more than a few tears over his favorite books. He can never get through Cedric dying in the Goblet of Fire without getting a little teary, no matter how many times he reads it. So he can definitely relate to the guy. He wishes he could see well enough to be able to tell which book the guy is reading, thinking that if it's good enough to make him cry, he'll probably give it a chance himself, but he can't see that far. He briefly considers grabbing a pair of binoculars, but he's stopped first by the knowledge that he has no idea where the hell Charlie would have put them, and secondly when he realizes that it definitely crossed the line from curious to creepy, if he hasn't already crossed it. It's that thought that causes Dean to turn away from the window and wander towards the bathroom to get ready for bed. He sighs unhappily when he walks into his bedroom to see that he didn't actually put sheets on his bed yet. After 20 minutes of cursing while fighting with the fitted sheet, he plops down on his mattress and burrows under his blankets. If he closes his eyes, he can pretend that he's back at his old place and Sam sleeping down the hall like he always is. And that's exactly what he does until he falls asleep.
Some conversation, no contemplation, hit the road. Call over, please jump out of my seat. On the side of the highway, baby. Sunday passes much too fast for Dean's liking. Joe and Sam join him and Charlie for breakfast, and afterwards they all go back to his old place to help Sam pack up the truck for his 10-hour drive to the University of Texas. He begged and pleaded to get tomorrow off so that he could drive Sam there himself, but since he already had time off for his graduation, he just couldn't swing it. He and Sam both get choked up when they hold each other tight for one last lingering, but still manly, hug. And he makes sure to tell him he loves him and how proud he is before he lets go entirely. Sam tells him to shut up in a voice thick with his tears. And to make sure the kid doesn't cry the whole way there, Dean puts him in a headlock and messes his hair up until Sam escapes and pins him against the truck. He still can't stop smiling, though because Sam's hair is a fucking wreck and now Sam looks pissed instead of weepy. The mental image of Sam driving ten hours while slightly annoyed with him is much better than thinking about Sam driving ten hours alone and crying. He calls it a win when Sam drives off with an amused smile and a wave out the window. Charlie and Joe both wrap him up in their arms when he lets the tears fall after Sam's out of view, and once he gets his shit together again, they lock up the now empty house and leave the keys in the mailbox like the landlord told him to. He's really going to miss this place. The three of them pile into the Impala and take off towards the local Target, where they spend hours buying a bunch of shit for his apartment to replace the stuff he let Sam take with him. He didn't realize he needed a bunch of stuff until he didn't have it. Like toilet paper. Thankfully, he always keeps a roll in the Impala. You never know when you need a side-of-the-road pit stop and he only had to hear Sam bitch once about wiping his ass with a leaf before he made sure to always have toilet paper in the car. By the time they put everything away and he cooks the girls a chicken stir-fry for dinner, they both say they need to head home to get ready for the work week. And just like that, he's left alone again. As he does the couple of dishes they dirtied, he reflects back on his day. It had been as good as he could have hoped, especially considering how much he's been dreading today. He knows it's going to take a lot of getting used to being on his own and not having Sam there to keep him company, but he keeps reminding himself that Sammy's a good kid and it's good for them both to branch out a little. Sam's going to be fine, and he can be fine too. He is fine, he repeats to himself. Maybe if he thinks it enough, he'll start to believe it. Not thinking about being lonely makes his mind drift to the weird guy in the apartment across from him again remembering how creepy he felt last night when he thought about getting binoculars to look in on the dude, he manages to resist peeking in on him for a whole ten minutes. Resisting temptation isn't exactly his strong suit. He wanders over and his eyes are immediately drawn to the weird guy's window. Dude's folding laundry. He's got a wicker basket on the floor in front of him and piles of already folded clothes on the coffee table. Looks like he's got a pile for shirts, a pile for pants, a pile for socks and underwear, and a pile for pajamas. What's really weird, though, is that the guy's using some kind of board to fold his clothes. One of those things he's seen employees in clothing stores use to make sure the clothes on display are folded properly. 
He had no idea people actually used those in real life. And what the hell? He's using it to fold his pajama pants. And his boxers? Who folds boxers? He doesn't even turn his the right way around before he puts them away. He can't help but chuckle at the system the guy has going on. It's like a weirdly synchronized dance of some sort. He's folded a lot of laundry in his day, but he's never seen anything like this. He doesn't think about it when he leans against the windowsill and watches the guy fold his laundry. The pile in the basket gets smaller and smaller as his precise and rhythmic movements make quick work of his chore. When the weird guy's basket is empty, he gets to his feet and carries each small pile out of the room where Dean can only assume he puts it away before he comes back for the last pile. He notices for the first time the guy's wearing a pair of sweatpants and a pink t-shirt that has block letters big enough that he can read them easily. Real men wear pink. Dean snorts when he thinks about how he's got the same shirt in his own dresser. When the guy's done putting everything away, he stands in the middle of his living room and indulges in a stretch that causes Dean's mouth to run a little dry at the flex of muscle obvious even from this distance. The guy is really ripped. When he lifts his arms up over his head, his shirt hitches up to reveal a flash of golden skin, and Dean turns away immediately with a blush on his cheeks. He may be willing to feel a little creepy watching the guy do weird shit like fold his laundry and water his plants so he doesn't feel so lonely. But there's no way he's going to let himself be creepy enough to stand at the window and ogle the guy in a sexual way. He's not a damn peeping Tom, for God's sake. Later that night, when he's working out some tension in the good old-fashioned way, with some pour in his hand and a little bit of lube, he sees that flash of skin behind his eyelids every time he closes them. He listens to the sounds of two guys fucking on his laptop while he imagines a big, strong man with crazy dark hair pinning him down on his bed. And he comes harder than he has in months. He's not even finished cleaning off his hand when he's already made the decision to pretend that never happened. The only thing Dean loves as much as his brother is his car. It's killing him to leave her parked in the parking lot this morning. But he's close enough to work now that it would be absolutely pointless to drive. It's only a couple of blocks, but he hasn't made the walk yet, so he leaves a half hour before his shift starts to make sure he has lots of time. Since he isn't speeding past for once, he can take the time to scan the little shops on either side of him as he walks. It's barely ten minutes when the bank he works at comes into view down the street, and his gaze falls on a little coffee shop he hadn't noticed before, Cup of Life. He nods in agreement to the shop's name and decides to pop in to grab a cup of coffee to bring with him to work. He's already had his two cups, but as far as he's concerned, there's no such thing as too much coffee in the morning. He pulls open the heavy wooden door and is immediately met with a wave of warmth and the delicious smell of coffee and fresh baked goods. Not surprisingly, his mouth waters. He may have eaten a bowl of cereal, but if anything looks as good as it smells, he can find room for more. He gets into the back of the line and glances up at the chalkboard menu to check out their prices, which are decent for a little place like this, and decides on his brew. 
as he gets closer to the glass display case full of goodies. He discovers it all looks at least as good as it smells, and decides on a banana chocolate chip muffin to go with his coffee. When there's only one person ahead of him in line, he gets a glimpse of the workers behind the counter, and it feels like his heart stops. There's only one guy working, and he looks all kinds of familiar. It's the hair that first jumps out at him, though it's combed neatly at the moment. But as he watches his fingers deftly work the cash register in front of him, he's positive. This is the weird guy who lives across from him. His face immediately turns beet red as he tries not to think about how he's unexpectedly face-to-face with the guy who got him in the mood to rub one out last night. But even as embarrassed as he is, he can't tear his eyes off him. He's fucking gorgeous. The personification of tall, dark, and handsome. His barely tamed dark hair is sexy all on its own. But pair it with those wide shoulders, arms so big his biceps are straining the sleeves of his work polo, and a jawline strong enough to make Dean a little weak in the knees. And yeah, the dude's ticking off all his little boxes. Then it's Dean's turn, and the guy pins him with a smile. Holy fuck, those are really pink lips. And his blue eyes are as bright as the damn sky. And he suddenly forgets how to make words come out of his mouth. Good morning, welcome to the cup of life. What can I get you? The guy asks. Ugh is apparently all his brain has the ability to form. And even his voice managed to crack on that one syllable. Seems right. First time here? He asks. Dean just barely manages to nod as the dude's deep voice goes straight to his dick. Oh, God. How is it even fair that a guy's this ripped, with a face that pretty, and has a voice like that? How's he supposed to play it cool when he's almost literally swooning over this guy? Too gay to function comes to mind, and he has to try not to laugh at his own stupid brain for being in jiff mode. The guy is still looking at him expectantly, and he realizes he hasn't answered his question about what he's ordering yet. Apparently he's going to stand there like an idiot instead. Coffee, he finally comes out with. The guy smiles and nods with those two blue eyes of his glittering with mirth. That's a good place to start. Craving something fancy, or do you want to give the house blend a try? Houseblend is good, Dean says. Aha, he can make words. Small, medium, or large? Uh, medium, and a banana chocolate chip muffin, too, please. Good choice. I promise, they are as good as they smell, by the way. The guy says, shooting him another smile as he reaches to take one out of the glass case and puts it in a paper bag. He moves with ease, like he's been doing this forever and is entirely comfortable with himself. Dean never really got that impression from the times he watched him through the window. Creeper, his mind reminds him. But he guesses a dude who wears dick pajamas has got to be pretty comfortable with himself. Can I get a name for your order? Completely caught off guard, he replies, Dick. The guy's eyebrows shoot up in surprise and Dean winces slightly before recovering with, That's what my ex calls me anyway. The dude chuckles and scribbles dick on his cup. Not the weirdest thing I've written on a cup, believe me. Guess I'll have to up my game for tomorrow, then, Dean responds with a smile. The guy's lips quirk, and Dean mentally pats himself on the back. That's more like it. Gives me something to look forward to, the guy says. Today, it's $4.25. Dean pulls a $5 bill from his wallet and hands it to him. 
The guy passes back his change, and Dean holds his breath in anticipation for the moment their fingers brush. But unfortunately, he doesn't get the zing he was expecting. He smiles anyway, reminding himself that life isn't a rom-com, and takes his muffin before he drops the change in the tip jar. Have a good day, the man says, and Dean nods his agreement as he moves down to the end of the counter to wait for his coffee. He adds his cream and sugar to it when it comes and offers the other worker a friendly smile before he walks away. He looks back over his shoulder at the hot guy once more as he leaves the shop, but he isn't watching. So Dean leaves without saying anything else. He's still got a couple of minutes before the bank opens, so he plops himself down in the staff room and pulls his phone out to text Charlie between bites of his muffin. Dude. All caps before 8.30? The weird guy in the building across from mine works at this little coffee shop right by the bank. The guy with the dick pajamas? Yes. And that's exciting? Dude's hot AF. Now I understand the caps. Did you ask him out? Fuck no. It was like my brain short-circuited. It was fucking embarrassing, TBH, LOL. Aw, oh, that's so cute. I love one man. Me too, hehe. <laughs> You're going back, right? Tomorrow morning for sure. Hopefully not being struck stupid will help me to actually form words. Also, this coffee's damn good. I'm sure it has nothing to do with who made it for you. LOL, keep me posted. With his muffin gone and time sufficiently killed... Dean grabs his cup of coffee and heads out to start his shift. He knows he probably can't work at a bank forever, but he actually enjoys it. He loves dealing with all the different people who come in. Some are regulars from local businesses that come in to do deposits. Some are the elderly people who bring in their bills to pay once a month. And some are people who only come in to get a new card or cash in another currency. Either way, no two customers are the same, and that just means no two days at work are the same. Today, his day flies by, and soon enough, he's on his way back home. He eyes Cup of Life on his way back, but resists the urge to pop inside. He doesn't even know if the dude will be there anyway. So he walks the rest of the way home and continues to think about what name he can use tomorrow to be weirder than what he said today. If the pajamas and clothes the guy wears are any indication of how weird he is, then he's got to think of something good in order to make an impression. He walks into his apartment and instantly feels a wave of loneliness crash into him. Sam was almost always there when he got home, and this coming home at the end of the day to an empty house thing is going to take some time to get used to. Like Sam has a direct link to his brain. Dean's barely hung his keys on the hook by the door when his phone starts ringing in his pocket. He's already grinning when he slides to answer it. Hey, Sammy. Sam, he corrects, making Dean's grin widen further. That's what I said, he lies. How was the drive? It was fine. Only missed one exit, but it was easy to circle around and find my way back. And there were signs everywhere for school, so finding that was a piece of cake. You settle in and everything? Dean asks, kicking off his shoes and going over to plop on the couch. Yeah, I was pretty beat when I got here, so I just carried everything up, threw my comforter on and went right to bed. But this morning after orientation, I got everything put away. Dean nods along, even knowing Sam can't see him. Got your schedule and all that crap? What about your roommate? Hasn't showed up yet, so it's just me so far. 
And yeah, I have my schedule. Everything looks great. I'm really excited. Good job, kid. He lets Sam babble on for a while, telling him about his dorm, the professors he met, the cafeteria. The geek even goes on for a few minutes about the library. He sounds happy, though, so that makes Dean happy. When Dean's stomach starts reminding him that it's time to make himself something to eat, he tells Sam he'll talk to him tomorrow and ends their call. He goes to change out of his work clothes and into sweats and a t-shirt so he doesn't stain any of his good clothes and heads back into the kitchen. It takes longer than it should to cook himself a plate of nachos because he can't fucking find anything in his kitchen, but he eventually figures it out, and since nobody's there to give him shit for eating in front of the TV, he plops his plate and his soda on the coffee table and digs in. Because of his too-gay-to-function thought earlier, he puts in Mean Girls and loses himself to the familiar story, lying back and kicking up his feet when he finishes his dinner. The movie isn't even over when he starts wondering about what's going on with the weird-slash-hot guy. He does manage to wait until the credits start rolling before he gets up under the mental pretense of putting his plate away and stops by the window on his way back. He grins when he sees the guy watering his plants again. Dude's not in his coffeehouse attire anymore, but in tight jeans and a black t-shirt with something on the front. He waits for him to walk closer to the window, and once he's there, he can see it looks like a cartoon dinosaur. He squints, trying to see better, and decides that, yeah, it's probably a T-Rex. He can't see what the letters say underneath because he's too far away, but knowing everything else he's seen the guy wear outside of work, it's probably something weird. He'd almost be disappointed if it wasn't. The more he watches the guy, the more it seems like the dude's singing, or talking or something. Animatedly, too. The hand not holding the watering can flails around as he speaks, gesturing for somebody to come closer, and Dean tears his eyes away from him to look at the living room behind him, but there's nobody in sight. Maybe somebody's in the kitchen? Would make sense if he had somebody over for dinner or something. Hell, maybe the guy lives with somebody and he's just never seen the person before. The thought makes him feel oddly sad. So he keeps watching, waiting to figure out who he's talking to, but he doesn't see anybody. He stands there long enough that Netflix starts playing whatever it recommends to him after Mean Girls, but nobody else ever comes into view, despite his gesturing. The guy pauses a couple of times like somebody else is saying something, but then starts up talking again. Maybe he's talking to the plants? Or talking to himself? Dean doesn't know which is weirder, but he figures if he was talking to himself, he probably wouldn't want anybody to watch. So he reluctantly leaves the window and goes back into the kitchen to make himself lunch for tomorrow. It's way too fucking quiet in the apartment, so he turns on some music and feels drastically better with something filling the silence. With nothing better to do after making his lunch, he grabs the first Harry Potter book out of his bedroom and starts a reread. He can always count on losing track of time once he's invested in a book, and immersing himself in the Harry Potter universe makes him feel less lonely, too. It's almost 11 when he pulls himself away from his book. Like last night, he locks the door and then pads over to the window again. This time, the guy's sitting on the couch, knitting away. He can't tell what it is that he's making— it looks like a long strip of yarn from here, but it's endearing to see a young guy sitting at home, alone, knitting at 11 o'clock at night. Kind of cute. 
He only lets himself watch for another minute with a small smile on his face before he goes to bed. Chapter 2 The next morning, he dresses and grooms himself meticulously. He wants the weird-slash-hot guy to notice him as more than just an awkward customer stumbling over his words. He can do better than that. So he puts on a moss-green button-up that he knows makes his eyes pop. Not that he's got anything on those bright blue eyes. Rolls the sleeves up to his elbows and leaves a few buttons undone, not wanting to look so dressed up he's unapproachable. He debates over adding a dab of cologne, but dismisses the idea when he thinks about how the whole place smells like baking and coffee beans, and the guy probably won't get close enough to smell it on him anyway. With a final look in the mirror and his lunch in hand, he locks the door behind him and heads off towards Cup of Life. The smell hits him again once he opens the door to the coffee shop, and just knowing the coffee and baked goods are as good as they smell makes him like the scent even more than he did yesterday. He feels nervous and antsy as he waits his turn in line, and finally, with his heart in his throat, he steps up to the counter. He locks eyes with the hot-slash-weird guy, and Dean feels his heart trip in his chest. But this time he was ready for it, so he smiles at the guy and says, Morning. Good morning. I was wondering if you'd be back today. The guy responds, He remembers me, Dean thinks excitedly. Yeah, I work at the bank on the corner, so this'll probably be a daily thing now. Dean explains. Medium house blend, and another muffin. Your choice this time. Pressure's on, the guy says, punching his order into the till and grabbing a bag before he chooses a muffin. Anything you don't like? Dean's so busy staring at the guy's hands again. There's something mesmerizing about the way the dude moves. He barely registers the question. He takes a second too long to answer. Then his brain catches up with his ears and he says, Nope, I like everything. You and me both. The guy smiles. That it for today? Yeah, thanks. Name for your order. The guy's smiling at him and he thinks he can see a hint of laughter in his eyes. So he goes with what he had planned. Batman. The guy snorts as he scrawls Batman on his cup before he hands it to the other worker. Dean reaches for his wallet to pull out a $5 bill. Then the guy takes it from him with, I like that better than Dick. Dean can't help the way his own lips quirk, and figures this is as good a time as any to put the, hey, I'm a little bit gay, thing out there. He raises his eyebrows playfully and responds, can't relate. The guy's cheeks go a little pink, but he laughs as he hands out his change. Whatever floats your boat. Have a good day, Batman. Dean drops his eyes for a brief moment before his smile turns into a shy one, not knowing if he was just turned down or not, and manages to say, Yeah, you too, as he drops the change into the tip jar again and walks down to wait for his coffee. He adds his cream and sugar and is about to walk away when he hears, Hey, Batman. He lifts his head to see the hot guy standing there while the other guy's over at the cash register. If you don't already have plans... Maybe you can leave your lunch at home tomorrow and we can grab something to eat here on my lunch break instead. Color rushes to his face as his heart starts racing, 
but he tries to play it cool and bobs his head up and down in reply. Yeah, I can do that. Noon work for you? The guy asks. Yeah, it'll be just a few minutes after that since my lunch starts at noon and I gotta walk over, but I'll be here. Sounds great. Let me know how you like that muffin when you come in tomorrow morning, he says with a smile. Then he walks back over to the cash register, leaving Dean standing there like an idiot. He feels like he floats out of the coffee shop, and once he's past the front windows, he gives in to the urge to do a fist pump in celebration. The hot-slash-weird dude just asked him out on a lunch date. He thought he was going to have to leave him his number somehow, but boom, one comment about liking Dick and he got himself a date. This is the best Tuesday ever. Joe have plans to see a movie that night since it's cheap night at the theater, so it isn't until nine that he has a chance to peek in on the hot guy across the way. Not that he'd been thinking about it or anything. Sure, his mind may have wandered a time or two about what weird shit the dude might be up to, but it's normal to be wondering about a guy you have a date with. It's normal to want to know stuff about the people you're dating. Maybe it's not entirely normal to be learning it through watching the dude in his apartment when he doesn't know he's doing it, but he ignores that part of his thought process in favor of moving closer to the window. The guy's knitting again, but this time he isn't making as much progress because there's a tiny orange ball of fluff with one paw on the guy's leg, and another paw batting at the yarn dangling from his needles. Hot-slash-weird dude has a cat. Well, it's got to be a kitten, actually, because there's no way a cat is that small if it's not brand new. He can't see anything more than a flash of white from where he is, but the way his shoulders are shaking and how he keeps tipping his head back is enough to let him know that the hot-slash-weird dude thinks the kitten is hilarious. He feels like he'd probably be more annoyed than anything if he was trying to do something and a cat kept batting at it, but this guy obviously doesn't think so. This is the first time Dean's seen the guy's body so relaxed outside of work. From what he's seen so far, he tends to hold himself so stiffly when he's at home, which is kind of weird considering it would usually be the other way around for most people. The guy seems to move his hands with such sure, precise movements when he's watering the plants or when he's folding his laundry, but he's always gotten the impression the dude's wound just a little bit too tight. Except for right now. Right now, everything about him is screaming contentedness. Dean can't keep the smile off his face when the guy abandons all pretense of actually knitting and starts holding the yarn up in the air and jiggling it up and down to play with the kitten. Out of nowhere, it hits him that the guy probably wasn't talking to himself the other day. He was probably talking to his cat. He watches for longer than he should, grinning wide at the antics of the hot-slash-weird guy and the kitten, but finally finds the strength to walk away from the window. He's already started a strange ritual of looking in on this guy, and if they're going to date, he should really nip it in the bud. The guy's entitled to his privacy, after all. The next morning, he puts on his second favorite shirt, a soft pink button-up that Charlie always tells him makes him look all soft and snuggly, and makes the quick walk to the coffee shop. The lineup is longer than it has been in the last few days, but Dean spends his time wisely by checking out the hot-slash-weird guy behind the counter at every opportunity. 
He really likes how thick the dude's biceps are in his work uniform polo. When it's his turn, he greets the guy with a friendly smile. Good morning, the guy says with a nod. It is now. Dean flirts, and the guy's smile grows. You're right about that. The usual this morning? Yeah, thanks. The dude grabs a bag and asks, How was the muffin yesterday? He considers lying, but figures if everything goes well, he'll get to know him well enough eventually to know he was lying. Should have said raisins weren't my favorite, but other than that, it was okay. So much for liking everything, the guy responds jokingly, and Dean gives him a sheepish shrug. He selects a muffin and hands it to Dean. Can't go wrong with blueberry. I'm totally on board, Dean agrees. Name for the coffee? Hot slash weird guy asks next. Jimmy Page, Dean says. The guy looks up, but there's no expression on his face. Robert Plant? Dean balks at the still blank expression. Really? Really? The guy's eyes go a little wide and he laughs nervously while he writes Page on the cup. I get the feeling I just made a grievous error. He cannot believe this. Who doesn't know who Jimmy Page is? He's still shaking his head in disbelief when he hands over his money. At least I know we'll have something to talk about at lunch, Dean says. Are you going to teach me everything you know? The guy asks playfully. Dean's heart trips in his chest. He licks his lips before he smirks and says, That'll take more than a lunch, believe me. The guy chuckles as he hands him his change. At least we'll have some place to start. I'll see you at lunch. Can't wait, Dean says genuinely. He waits until he gets to work to put his muffin down so he can text Charlie again. He doesn't know who Jimmy Page is. Everybody knows who Jimmy Page is. I'm telling you. Not even when I sweetened the pot with Robert Plant. He was clueless. Maybe he listens to techno. No. Or K-pop. I hate you so much. Listen, I know you love Led Zeppelin, but not everybody listens to the same music as you. Other kinds do exist. I don't know if I can move past it if he doesn't know Zepp. Don't even try to tell me Bella knew Led Zeppelin when you met. This guy isn't going to distract me with his rack, though. You're not wrong, but don't be gross. He can't exactly walk around with his dick hanging out. Which is a shame. I said don't be gross. Just give the guy a chance. There's more to a person than a nice rack and what music he listens to. Yeah, okay, I'll call you after work. Go get him, tiger. As usual, because he's looking forward to lunch, the morning drags by. He feels like every time he looks at the clock, the minute hand has barely moved. He gets several looks from his co-workers for fidgeting and screwing up deposits until finally it's lunchtime. He takes a minute to use the bathroom and fix his hair, and then he makes the short walk to Cup of Life. He walks through the door and glances behind the counter, but the hot-slash-weird guy isn't back there, so he scans the room instead and sees him sitting at a table. Hot-slash-weird guy waves him over, so he crosses to him and takes the seat across from him. Hey, Dean says somewhat awkwardly. Nice to see you without the counter between us, the guy responds. Now it's just a table. 
but I won't ask for your money this time, he promises. How do you feel about BLT sandwiches for lunch? Dean nods. Works for me. Should I go order for us? No, I'm all over it. Watch, he says, grinning. Dean watches closely while the guy makes eye contact with another worker behind the counter and gives him a nod. The guy behind the counter gives him a thumbs up, and then the hot-slash-weird guy says, See? Friends in high places. Wow, pulling out all the stops, huh? Dean jokes. That's pretty much all I've got, so I hope you're sufficiently impressed. Hook, line, and sinker, Dean teases. Seriously, though, thanks for doing that. How much do I owe you? Hot-slash-weird guy shakes his head. It's not necessary. I get a good deal here, so it's cheaper for me to buy it. Hot slash weird guy's buying his lunch. That definitely makes us a date, and his smile grows quickly. He ducks his head to try to hide it and mutters his appreciation. Thanks. Then he stops. He doesn't know the guy's name, and this is the perfect opportunity to ask. Sorry, I never caught your name before. The guy quirks an eyebrow. You think you can tell me three different names in three days and I'm going to give up my name just like that? Dean chuckles lightly. You never asked for my actual name. Okay, well, tell me yours and I'll tell you mine. The guy offers a challenging note in his voice. Dean tilts his head questioningly. Is this a thing we're doing now? I don't know, is it? I don't know. I kind of like coming up with different names for you every morning. Dean admits. Even when I don't know who you're talking about? The guy answers. Dean holds a hand to his heart like he's been shot. That's still a fresh wound, man. Be careful. He says seriously. Just when I forgot about how you broke me this morning. You bring it up like it's no big deal not to know who Jimmy Page or Robert Plant are. The guy's stupidly blue eyes are glittering with laughter, and Dean can hardly believe how freaking adorable this guy is. Should I pretend like I didn't already Google them as soon as you left? Dean snorts, trying to get back in my good books, huh? The guy shrugs but nods. Not very often I meet people who make me laugh right off the bat like you did. Dick jokes do it every time, Dean says proudly, which just makes the guy huff with laughter again. Dean beams, always pleased with himself when he can make people laugh. So I'm assuming you're a big fan of Led Zeppelin, then? Kind of like a super fan, to be completely honest with you, Dean says. I've been listening to them since I was a kid. Basically grew up on it. I thought Google said this stuff was released in the 70s. Wait a second, how old are you? The guy asks, his eyes narrowing. Relax, I'm 23. It's my dad who used to listen to them when I was younger, he explains. He got me hooked. Oh, okay, that makes sense. I was thinking I was probably older than you. Yeah? How old are you? The guy laughs. How old do you think I am? Oh, yeah, nothing can possibly go wrong there. Dean dodges. The guy laughs again. What's the worst thing that could happen? I could insult you so badly you could stuff pubes in my coffee cup every morning. Dean answers quickly. The dude tips his head back and a loud laugh rolls out of him. Why didn't I think of that before? He finally responds, wiping mirth away from his eyes. No, I'm really not guessing, Dean says seriously, but the guy laughs again softly. I'm 30. Older man. Damn it, I would have definitely guessed younger too. Too bad you missed your chance. 
Now you'll have to find another way to flatter me. Not like it's hard, Dean says honestly. The guy smiles at him fondly. Well, I'm going to enjoy this, since I'm assuming it will only be a few weeks until you start harassing me like the rest of my friends. Dean gets stuck on, like the rest of my friends, and is mentally going back over everything this guy has said to him, trying to make sure they're on the same page here when their food and coffee is delivered. They were just flirting, and pretty openly as far as Dean's concerned, and the guy paid for his lunch. And who just asks somebody they've only talked to twice out for lunch to be friends? Nobody does that. Maybe the hot-slash-weird guy just doesn't want to be presumptuous by assuming Dean wants to date him. Or maybe he wants to get to know him a little better before he tries to make the hop from stranger to date. That's okay, he can do that. Hot-slash-weird dude says, I just ordered the same coffee you get in the morning to go with your sandwich. But if you want, I can get them to bring you something cool. No, coffee's fine, thanks, Dean says, picking up half of his sandwich. You remember the orders of all your customers? He asks before taking his first bite. Not all of them, he says. But I'm good with faces, and we do have a lot of regulars. Yeah, I know what you mean, Dean says around his bite, thinking of his clients at the bank. Which reminds me, you said you work at the bank on the corner. Did you just start working there? Dean chews and swallows before answering. Nope, been there almost three years. Just moved to the neighborhood, though. Oh, so you walk to work now, and that's why you started stopping in? Yeah. Didn't know what I was missing out on, or I would have been here earlier, he says, shooting the guy a little wink. I'll make sure to pass that on to the boss. He answers a hint of smile on his lips. Something about the way he says it has Dean making an educated guess. That's you, isn't it? Got it in one he says. Nice, Dean comments. So you own the place? I do. I practically lived here for the first few years, but we're doing well enough now that I get most nights and weekends off. Good thing about working at the bank, too. Straight days and not too early. What time do you start here in the mornings? Usually seven. Dean grimaces. I don't know how you do it. I make and drink plenty of excellent coffee to keep me going he says. Cup of life. You catch on quickly, he smiles. I understood the meaning behind the name as soon as I saw it. If there's anything I get, it's needing a cup of coffee before any words are spoken in the morning. There, see, I knew we'd get along. We just can't ever talk first thing in the morning. Pretty much the way I prefer it anyway, Dean says. So what moved you into the neighborhood, if you don't mind me asking? Me and my little brother were living together, but he just took off for school on Sunday. Couldn't afford the old place on my own, so it was time to move, he explains. So you're living on your own for the first time? He asks. Dean nods his response. How's that going? Dean thinks about the times he's seen the guy be alone in his own apartment and considers telling him how lonely it is and how he doesn't know if he'll ever learn to love how empty the apartment feels all the damn time but the public version of this guy is much more vibrant and easygoing than he ever expected, and for some reason, he can't make himself open up to him yet. It'll take some getting used to, but it's kind of nice to be able to walk around naked without somebody yelling about brain bleach, he says, cracking a joke to hide how he really feels. There are perks, hot-slash-weird guy agrees. You live alone? Dean asks, as if he doesn't already know. 
Yes, I spend so much time surrounded by other people during the day that I really crave my solitude by the end of it. Dean literally cannot relate to anything less. I hope I'm not driving you extra crazy by talking your ear off over lunch today. No, no, not at all. I usually spend my lunch with somebody. I rarely leave the shop during a shift, so friends or family, and sometimes even customers, will come join me for an hour. It's all part of the day. What kinds of things do you do to unwind at the end of the day when you've got the place to yourself, then? Dean asks. I like running, he answers. Dean leans in across the table a little, straining his ears to make sure he heard him right. You like running? Hot slash weird guy nods like that's a perfectly normal thing to say. I do. Long distance running. I have a treadmill in my spare room along with some other exercise equipment. But I really prefer running outside when the weather's nice. Wow, I, uh, only run if something's chasing me. And only if I thought I stood a chance of outrunning it. Otherwise, what's the point? Dean says. The guy cracks up again. <laughs> Noted. If I ever see you running, I should start running, too. Dean grins, happy the dude didn't try to lecture him about working out more like Sam does. That's pretty much me in a nutshell. The only place I ever walk is to work. I like my car way too much to leave her collecting dust. Her? Dean nods. My baby's definitely a lady. The guy tries and fails to hide a smile. What's so funny over there? Dean asks. Nothing, he says, obviously lying. You're just the first person I know who's assigned a gender to their car. Well, not everybody has a car as badass as mine. I don't know anything about cars, but I feel like the polite thing to do is to ask anyway. What kind of car do you have? Black 1967 Chevy Impala. Leather interior, mint condition. The guy gives him a blank look and Dean sighs, resigned and pulls his cell phone out of his pocket. Because I know you don't know what I'm talking about, and it's important that you do. I'm going to have to show you a picture. You have photos of your car on your phone? If you had my car, you would too, Dean answers with a grin. He finds a picture of him standing in front of his car and passes his phone to the guy. See? He takes a cursory glance at the photo, but Dean can read disinterest when he sees it. Damn, that stings. You're right. It's a very nice car, the guy says, except he's clearly bullshitting him. Dean decides to call him on it. You think it looks just like every other car. The guy grins and his nose scrunches up, and it might have been the cutest thing he's ever seen if the guy wasn't basically giving the cold shoulder to his pride and joy. That's not true. Dean's heart has one second to soar with hope before the dude shoots it down with, It's shinier than most cars. Oh my god, I hate you, Dean says immediately, which causes the guy to crack up laughing again. <laughs> Let's try something slightly less likely to make you storm out of here. What's your favorite food? Easy. Pie, he says, finishing off his sandwich with a final bite. Pie? That's not a food, it's a dessert. Dean stops chewing mid-bite and stares at the guy in disbelief. He doesn't know anything about Led Zeppelin. He dismissed his car with a glance, and now? Now he's insulting Pie? This is like the date from hell. Except the guy's eyes go a little wide, and he tries to press his really damn pink lips into a line to hide a smile again, 
And God damn it, why does he have to be so cute? I put my foot in my mouth again, didn't I? The guy asks. Let me just tell you everything you need to know about me in 20 seconds or less so this doesn't happen again. Dean says, taking a deep breath. A perfect day for me would be driving around in my car with my brother in the passenger seat and Zeppelin blaring over the speakers. We'd stop for greasy diner food that would include cheap beer, a burger, and pie for dessert. And then I'd bail on Sam to hit up a bar for a couple of drinks and find somebody to burn up the sheets with for a night. He adds with a chuckle. What about you? A perfect day for me would include the latter, but none of the former. More like sleeping in, having an entire day to myself at home where I didn't have to do anything for anybody but myself. Go for a long run in the kind of weather where it's sunny, but it's still not too hot, you know. Then have sushi delivered for dinner and drink several bottles of good wine in the peace and quiet until... The latter? Dean supplies with a smile and hot-slash-weird-guy nods. It almost sounds like the only thing we have common is liking sex, he jokes. Dean chuckles and responds, and coffee. And liking Dick, the real guys wear a pink shirt and crying over good books. But it's not like he can come right out and say that. Kind of makes this difficult. At least we'll always have that, the guy says smiling. And who knows, maybe I'll change my mind about your car once I get to know her. Now that's more like it. Dean says enthusiastically. I promise to make the appropriate comments so I don't hurt her feelings. Listen, I know you're placating me right now, but you really wounded me a couple of minutes ago, so I'm just going to take it anyway. Dean says with a smile, leaning back in his chair and crossing his arms across his chest. He can see the guy's eyes drift down to where they're crossed before he says, So you don't like running, but obviously you work out somewhat, right? Dean's smile grows more than a little pleased by the guy checking him out and the obvious pickup line. Mostly upper body stuff, so I don't look like a total twink, Dean explains. The guy huffs out a laugh and shakes his head. I've heard some people are into that kind of thing. Dean raises his eyebrows in surprise. He's definitely not upset by the implication. Gee, I had no idea. He lies, and the guy grins at him. I only asked because I think working out is something else we have in common. Which gym do you go to? Well, I was going to 24-hour fitness because it was right by my old apartment. But if I can find something closer, I'll probably switch. Got any recommendations? I go to a local place called World's Gym. It's a couple of blocks east. I could bring you as my guest sometime if you'd be open to the idea, he offers. Yeah? Dean asks, surprised. That's not going to cut into your after-work solitude? We'd have to do it on a weekend, he quips. Dean nods. Yeah, I'll only go every now and then, but I'd be down for that. I don't keep too much of a schedule on the weekends. Can we exchange numbers so I can just text you to see if you're free when I want to go? I usually spend the weekends with a couple of friends, but if we're not doing anything, I'm in. Give me your phone. They exchange phones, but then he pauses, not knowing how to enter his name. Hot slash weird dude must be having the same thought. Their eyes meet and the guy says, Last names? I don't know. I kind of liked it when you called me Batman, he teases. But I guess that works. They switch phones back and Dean can't help but look at the new entry. Novak, huh? That's right, Winchester. Still easier than what I've been calling you in my head. 
Oh, really? What's that? Dean ducks his head, embarrassed that he can't tell him. Nope, can't do it. Maybe someday. Must be something good if you're blushing, Novak teases. My cheeks have a mind of their own. Don't worry about them. Dean lies. That explains the freckles, then, Novak says. Dean's blush deepens at the mention of his freckles, and Novak chuckles again. Now you're just making it too easy. Don't be a dick, Dean says lightly. All right, I'll take it easy on you for now. They're interrupted when another worker comes over. Sorry to interrupt, but Brianna just called in sick for her shift this afternoon. Novak tips his head back on a sigh. I'll be right there, thank you. He turns to Dean. I'm sorry to bail on you before our hour is up, but duty calls. No big deal, I totally get it, Dean assures him. Thanks for having lunch with me, Novak says, smiling at him softly. God, he's so fucking cute. Thanks for buying. I had a good time, Dean says. Same, Novak replies, getting to his feet. I'll see you tomorrow morning. You bet. Good luck with the sick thing, Dean says, also standing. Generally at the end of a date, he'd at least go in for a hug, but seeing as the guy's at work, he doesn't know if he should or not. Thankfully, Novak gives him another little smile and reaches out to place his hand on his shoulder, giving it a quick squeeze before he walks away. Without any other reason to stay, Dean grabs his still half-full coffee and goes back to work. He isn't even entirely sure how he feels about their lunch. He had fun, but more like the way he has fun with Charlie and Joe than how he usually feels during a date. He spends his afternoon going over and over their conversations in his mind. The guy's obviously smart, considering how quick-witted he is, and there's no denying how attracted Dean is to him. But other than that, he isn't really his type. Wine and sushi on the perfect day? He could choke down wine if he had to, and he would for the right person, but sushi is way out of his comfort zone, and nowhere close to his perfect day. And don't even get him started on the running thing. He freezes in his tracks halfway through exchanging American dollars for pesos when he realizes Novak and Sam would probably get along better than he and Novak do. And doesn't that fucking figure? First time he's been interested in getting to know somebody since the whole Bella fiasco, and instead of finding himself somebody he likes, he found Sam's future best friend, who just happens to be the best-looking guy he's laid eyes on in his life. He mopes the whole way home, changes into sweats immediately, and plops face-first onto the couch with a loud, drawn-out groan. What a fucking bust. The more he thinks about it, the more he thinks about how he never felt a damn thing when the dude gave his arm a little squeeze. Never feels anything whenever their fingers brush when they exchange money. He enjoyed Novak's company and definitely liked looking at him, but there was no point during the whole 40 minutes where he thought about maybe reaching over to take his hand, or even what it would be like to kiss him. It doesn't make any damn sense. For the first time since he moved in, he doesn't go look out the window all night. Seven lessons always flee 
Thank you so much for your support. I can be contacted on Twitter, Tumblr, or at makingitupaswegopod at gmail.com. If you are able, please go to the author's AO3 story and give comments and kudos to them for sharing this with us. The link is in the show notes. This will also be posted on AO3 as a podfic under my username, and the link will be in the show notes as well. As always, thank you so much for listening.